Jordan Wonders, and this week I'm your chunk. I'm Doge, and tell my son the time his father died. Tell him. No, he won't even know your chunk. Cold. Cold. Is cold? That is the hypest I've ever cold. been in any movie ever. Ice oh my God. in her veins, dude. She was like, y tu mama tambien. Yeah, so. dude. <laughs> 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 which is another movie she's in, which is very funny. That's very funny. I'm Carter and inconceus nostros fatum nostros hunk. That's Dude. in our choices lie our fate. What a line, first of all. It's pretty good. What a line, Great. first of all. Uh, Carter, tell us about it. Uh, one of my very Dime favorite students that I have had in my graduate program that I direct, the Master's in Communication, is Brag. Paolo Tort. He's from Mexico City. Mm. And actually this very week I was meeting with Paolo. And Paolo is 6'6", but kind of Jeez. leans down to like 6'3", to maybe try and make you make him feel more approachable, as if he needs mm-hmm. to. Sure. The kindest, warmest man. I think he's in his 50s. But he's had, I knew early, he's had a career. And now he's pursuing a comm degree in the States. But he was like... He was the chief of staff for the mayor of Mexico City. Oh, casual. Uh, he, he worked in Spanish television in a very high role there. And then he starts to share things with me as he's showing me his resume and, and, and looking for a job. Uh, I hope that he can be a professor someday. I think he'd be perfect at it. But he shows me, you know, he's played the cello for 10 years. Jeez. I'm like, okay, dude, yeah. what is all this? Yeah, but whatever. then I see up here in uh, Programas Adicionales, which is just like the extra stuff. On his resume. The extra stuff. Speak Spanish more. Have I ever told you, I used to just speak the only things I remembered from Spanish class because my roommates knew it fluently. So they'd be talking (laughs) in Spanish and I'd be like, ah, and it's just like, ah, mi alfombra es azul. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. You got the right vocal cords for that, man. It sounds good. I appreciate that. I look at one of these bulleted points and I say, Paolo, Hello, what is this? And I read, blessed by Pope Benedict XVI what? for bringing religious freedoms to the people of Mexico. And what? I, I what? said, you did, I said, did you do this? And he said, yeah. And I, Paolo, tell me about this. Tell and me he about kind being of blessed by the Pope, Paolo. He just kind of shrugs and he says, um, I'm a Lord of the Vatican. And I said, pardon? He's what? A, <laughs> my friend Paolo, my student, 
is a Lord of the Vatican. He started to tell me about this. Like, what? They still have this ancient way of blessing you. It's basically like being knighted in England. He was blessed by the Pope and now he's the Lord of the Vatican. And it says on his official documentation, which is from ancient times, that if he likes, he could ride his horse to St. Peter's Basilica, just straight up to it for blessings. What? Dude. So. Does a steel horse count? Like Bon Jovi? <laughs> Is he wanted? Could he roll up? Could he roll up on a Harley? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I want to know. What are the it, it felt hunky. I know a lord. Oh, when he yeah. left when he left the office, yeah. I grabbed his hand and kissed it. I was just like, <laughs> man, what do I do? Yeah. Paolo. Lord. I just want to honor you, Paolo. <laughs> it was amazing. So cool. What? That's distinctly cool. That's wild. I'm, wow. I'm a lo- but it's like the way he delivered it too. He literally was like, please don't, please don't. I don't. Yeah. I'm a lord, I'm a lord of, the lord of the Vatican. <laughs> I don't like to brag about it. Uh, that old thing. Uh, <laughs> so he just started funny, giggling because he was. He realized how I get it. Like, that's a big deal. Nothing I love more than a self-aware <laughs> lord. That's great. Yeah. Well, <laughs> with that in mind, let's embark on our final destination in our Chunktober 3 series. And um, it's almost not, but we included it for two reasons. One, there's something fall about this movie, isn't there? We call this creature features. There's definitely creatures in this movie. Yeah, there's creatures in this movie. But there's something fall about this movie to me in the same way that Harry Potter is very fall to me. Also, I think with how much... Diego Del Gorbo is a lord of the podcast, mm, of our yeah. podcast. It's a wild that yeah. we haven't done one yet. And yeah. what better time than the Halloween season? Yeah. And then uh, even more importantly, if you haven't figured it out by now, we uh, we just put we just figure out a way to talk about whatever movie we want to talk about and we fit it into whatever that's what series. That's very true. Yeah. It's just, that's that's true. How it goes. It's our show. So we talk Man about what curtain. we want. It's our show, so back <laughs> off. Okay? It's our show. It's our show. <laughs> So we're going to round out this series with a movie that, honestly, I'm so stoked to talk about. So let's dive right into a movie known as Pan's Labyrinth. Doge had a coffee mouth. Doge had a coffee coffee mouth. That's okay. Give me a synopsis with your coffee mouth. This week's synopsis was written by Cinema underscore Fan. Aren't we all? Feels like that username had to be one of the first ones to claim on IMDb, yeah. right? Big movie guy. <laughs> Ophelia's love of fairy tales is obvious from the beginning of El Labyrinto del Fauno. Set in the not-so-tranquil Spanish woodlands of World War II, where a small band of rebels are hiding out. This is where Ophelia and her pregnant mother have come to live, in the company of Capitan Vidal, Ophelia's new stepfather, and soon-to-be father of her half-brother. It is with the brutal, unforgiving, and totalitarian idealist Capitan Vidal and his phalangist troops, who must weed out these resistance fighters of the hills and woods, that Ophelia finds her release and distraction of the New World Order and its warring factions and delves into the older, mysterious, and enchanting world of fairies, fawns, and giant frogs. Beautiful, charming, graphic, and deadly. El Labyrinto del Fauno. If I told you, without context, mm-hmm. there is a really excellent movie 
set early days of World War II. Yeah. In the Spanish countryside about a group of resistance fighters coming face to face and head to head. I love this. With a fascist military captain. And also, there's a fawn and a man with eyeballs also, in the palms of his hands. Big, there's a also big, frog. big frog. And also big in it, fairies a big frog. Change from fairies to bugs and back again. <laughs> and there's magic. Do- you would you would be like, what? What are you supposed to be taking or not supposed to be taking that you did or did not take? <laughs> this is such a wild idea, and it is so distinctly and deliciously. Guillermo del Toro? Mm-hmm. In, in anyone else's hands, this movie is nowhere near what it is. And I don't know, Doge, this was your first time watching it. What, it was. Was it anything like what you expected going in is my question. I tried to go in with very blank sure. expectations. I absolutely adore Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. Uh, more so as a creator, I think, than his actual works themselves. Interesting. Uh, like, I, I just have so much love for Guillermo del Toro. And I think a lot of that comes from actually his speech that he gave when he won yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, the Oscar for Best Picture. It's one of the best yeah. acceptance speeches I've ever heard. I wrote <clears throat> down the quote on my phone. He literally, he held up a statue and he said, to everyone that is dreaming of using fantasy to tell the stories about things that are real in the world today, you can do it. This is the door. Kick it open and come in. Mm. Uh, and his whole thing of just like, uh, it's very C.S. Lewis, very Tolkien, yes. that kind of mid-century uh, kind of English view of like, you know, fairy stories are not just for kids. Yeah. Like it's, it anybody can relate to this stuff. And in fact, by hiding some of this stuff in a fairy story, you can sneak it past people who'd have their guard up. And if they watched a movie uh, about resistance fighters and fascists and did have big frog, yeah. then- they might be a little more close off to it. But sure. I mean, I was just, I don't know. It's, it, you made the mistake of pulling my string on my back. And so now I'm just going, but sure. like, I, no, I, I absolutely was completely blown away from by this movie. Yeah. I need to make uh, an official apology. We have said, this is our first Diego del Gorbo. It is not. Yeah. Pacific Rim. I thought about that the other day. Oh yeah. Is a Diego. And might be where the name originated was during that episode. Might be. No, it was maybe. way I think before it was long that. before yeah, that. Was it really? It was like that, one yeah. of our first many Mondays because I was telling the story. Oh, I mean, maybe now's a, Matt, maybe now's a good time to let you behind the curtain of why we don't <laughs> ever call Guillermo del Toro his real name. I was telling a story, and this was probably 2018. Oh, yes. I was at a party. Okay. Uh, yeah. And it was like spring. So he'd like just won the Oscar for Shape of Water. Yeah. Uh, and I was meeting people and they're like, what do you, what do you do? I told them about my job, told them I have a movie podcast. They're like, oh, you're a movie guy. I was like, yeah. And they're like, I love movies. And I was like, sick, me too. And they're like, did you see Shape of Water? And I said, yeah, I thought it was awesome. <laughs> Creature designs were awesome. I don't know that I would have picked it for best picture this year, but <laughs> you know, like the team behind it, they're great. And this guy I was talking to was like, yeah, dude, totally agree. I love Diego Del Gorbo. <laughs> <laughs> completely serious. <laughs> and so from now, from that point on, he's only been Diego Del Gorbo to me. Oh, Diego's <laughs> so funny. Del Gorbo. Before Pan's oh, Labyrinth, man. there were two things that the general public would have known about. 
but he did. Hellboy, which was done two years prior. And two years prior to that, which is now news to me on this day, he directed Blade 2. Oh, I didn't know that. Cool. Wild. I don't think I realized, I mean, I obviously it was one search away, but I, don't, I just don't think I realized contextually that Hellboy was prior to Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth feels in my brain like it was made in the like 70s, not because it looks or feels yeah. like it, but because it seems like it's just been part of conversation forever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that is a testament to what this is, which is like, it's fun to watch a movie and discuss a movie that if anybody you ever talked to said it was in their top five of all time, you wouldn't even blink. If somebody yeah, said, yeah. top five, uh, I don't know, this, that, Pan's Labyrinth, and you'd be like, oh yeah. Yeah, I get it, yeah. 100%. And it's fun to go into a discussion like that because when you see artistry on this level, there's something, Guillermo del Toro has, he's a, he's a beautiful, beautiful person. He has this <sighs> sincerity. There's, the, there's an earnestness to his creation mm-hmm. that almost doesn't allow criticism. And I don't mean, I don't mean in a protected guarded way. I mean, no. I mean in a way that is like, what are you going to say, dude? Yeah. He had an idea <laughs> and said, I will make it manifest. I yeah, will yeah. create the idea before your very eyes. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, so much... I just think that we need more of him. Yeah. Yeah. He's just got like a keen awareness of how the darkness can illuminate. I don't know how else to describe totally. it. It's like totally. He's he's just got this you know, Tim Burton is like, let's use this canvas and just have fun. Let's mm-hmm. see new things. Let's find quirky characters. Guillermo is kind of like, it still feels appropriate. We were talking about how much horror is teaching us, but it is appropriate for for him. You think of Shape of Water too, but he is just using these dark, dark landscapes and not really pulling any punches for grotesque. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. With, with the kind of things that he's able to create as both antagonist and protagonist, you start to appreciate like the people that are navigating the story even more because you can look yeah. at what they've overcome and you're like, man, that was terrifying. You have, you have planted a thought in my brain that I've never had before. Tim Burton and Guillermo, they have a lot of similar, like their ethos is very similar as far as like the way they tell their stories. And I think mm-hmm. it is because they stick with me here for this metaphor. I hope it doesn't only make sense to me. They, both, does. they both paint white on a black canvas. The stories they tell stand out because they're set to backdrops of a lot of darkness, but they typically are telling stories of hope. Both of them typically tell these 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 sto- these little personal stories of hope within sort of like a dark backdrop. And I think that's why they have invaded people don't like Tim Burton. They love Tim Burton. Right. People don't like Guillermo del Toro. They love Guillermo del Toro. And I think it's because 
they are painting with these extreme emotions on these extreme backdrops and it creates very like visceral reactions to their movies in a really cool way. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's fantastical. That's the difference mm-hmm. between like them and a David Fincher. Sure. Right. You know, it's like, okay, that's just, you leave and you're like, ugh. Yeah. That's disgusting. Nobody wins, you know. But with these two, there is, it is a little whimsy. And I think that helps too. It is such an interesting thing because it feels like it is like a children's story. Yeah. Sure. But it's rated R. I mean, it's like you're. You would never show isn't it, it rated to a kid. It's like an it's actual child. Rated R, right? Yeah. Yeah. It has to be rated R. Okay. It is rated it R. Is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I have to. Just to go ahead and, well, no, I can wait till we get there. I'll just wait till we get there. I no. can super pump. If we need somebody to super pump, I'm happy to follow on that source. I don't need anything, Doge. Follow your heart, buddy. My super pump is the script. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in particular, the, the tone that it strikes where it's like 100% like this, like the story of Ophelia and the fawn feels like a story that's existed for hundreds and hundreds mm-hmm. and hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Del Toro wrote, produce and directed this. So this is this he is always all has, specifically from yeah. the brain of Diego. Uh, yeah. And it, it's like, I don't know, man. The the that is so so impressive to me. Yeah. To be able to write that story that feels like it's existed forever, but also is yeah. completely inseparable from this real historical event that happened not a hundred years ago. Uh man, it's just a, a absolute masterclass in aiming for a specific tone and vibe and hitting that tone and vibe and building a world around that tone and vibe and seamlessly integrating it with the real world. I don't know. It's, it's, I watched it two days ago. Mm -hmm. This is my first time to watch Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, And it's, it still feels like I can't quite collect my thoughts around it Mm. because I was like completely blown away like absolutely, I know Carter said this last week about the thing. I'm currently trying to figure out if Pan's Labyrinth is a top five of all time, a top <laughs> ten of all time for me. Like That's awesome. completely, I don't know. I'm super pumping right now because I don't. I need more time to think about what my super dump is. <laughs> <laughs> Just let us jog your memory, and, and, yeah. and you'll be like, yeah, yeah. same. So my, I'm gonna jump on with one of you guys probably. <laughs> my super pump was almost uh, like basically exactly what you're saying, Doge, except. Yeah. I, the the way that I was thinking about it is this movie feels like, and I love this. There's almost nothing that excites me more than when I watch a movie and I can feel like this afterwards. But this movie feels like I just have this image in my head of Guillermo del Toro pitching this and somebody saying, seems ambitious. And he's like, I don't need that. Yeah, Just tell me if I can make it or not. Yeah. It just like, feels I already, like yeah. this called shot of confidence in his work. Well, and like supreme ownership of his work. Yeah, just that's looking, true like, too. Did you see, so like for this, he he translated all the English subtitles yeah, himself. I did see that, man. He was like, that's I don't so want cool. anybody else. Like, this is my Love baby. That. This is my thing. He uh, left all of the notes for this movie that he'd been writing, accidentally left them in the back of a cab. Uh, and the cab driver like found them and returned him. And he was like, what a huge blessing. I thought this movie was lost. I thought this was going to be my greatest work and it was gone. So now I have to do it. So now like this is my baby, my only priority. Someone who takes things as signs, visceral signs, uh, like believes in fate. I'm not surprised. It's perfect because you also see that in the way that he makes 
his movies. Yeah. It's totally. so freaking good. And it's so interesting. I think, so Pan's Labyrinth is, you know, sometimes the Academy can get things wrong, but I think this had six Oscar nominations. Yeah. And Guillermo, uh, Diego, sorry, Diego Del Gorbo was not yes. a huge deal yet. Remember Blade Two, kind of a different director that's picking up a franchise sure. that's cult classic-y. Yeah. And then he does like Rock'em Sock'em Satan. <laughs> and, right. <laughs> well, especially and, not in the States. He wasn't almost. But yeah. it does feel like, I'm not saying that Hellboy, Hellboy walked so that Pan's Labyrinth could run. No, I would say, I would, I would unequivocally say that. Yeah. Somebody, somebody acknowledged, hey, you know, you, you, it's because Jordan, you were talking about the pitch, mm-hmm. right? Seems ambitious. Mm-hmm. It's like, but also my guy just interpreted a graphic novel in a pretty ambitious way that kind of took people by surprise. Hey, hey, Hellboy rules. I want to be clear. Yeah. The first Hellboy is awesome. Even the yeah. second one's not bad. Like, Hellboy yeah. rules. But I so, absolutely think it walked so that this movie could run. I, I have no yeah. problem. Uh, Which is just fascinating for me. I, I have no problem throwing my weight behind that line of thinking. You know, I, mm-hmm. think, that's, I think that's a great call. Yeah. Um, there, there is so much... There is so much to love in Pan's Labyrinth, and I really am struggling with with a super dump just to just to part the curtain. I don't know that I have anything I don't like about this movie. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, and so I'm gonna kind of throw away a little fart, just a little poot of a super dump. Um, yeah, go for it. And it's just that you know the. The audience chamber of the king. The CG's not great. CG isn't great. Yeah. That's, Do you know why it's not great? It, in a movie where everything else is gorgeous, that falls short. That's my super dumb. Yeah. It is a disappointing you know why? final location. Tell me why. It falls short because they had a smaller budget than they could have because Del Toro repeatedly turned down Hollywood producers because they wanted to make it in English. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, this is our story. We're making it in Spanish. Mm. And he even gave up literally his entire salary, even back end residuals from this movie to finance this movie and fund this movie. My gosh. So no I bet you wonder. Feel, I bet you feel stupid no for saying that. that. <laughs> bad now, don't you? <laughs> no wonder he said no to the Hobbit. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's proud in all the best ways. Yes. <clears throat> Wow. I think it's not, I mean, I think it's good pride, right? He knows exactly who yeah, he is yeah. and what he's worth. Yeah. That's why I said all the right ways. Yeah. He yeah. definitely, he understands. And that's the kind of person you want telling the stories that you go see. Yes. <clears throat> For sure. Massive. My super dump is, you remember the scene? <laughs> There's a scene where <laughs> they look out and they see the explosions from the the revolutionaries. And they show up and they're like, oh, they just wasted our stuff. They're just trying to get our attention. Then we see explosions again and then we look up and then it immediately just cuts to the rain and we're in the middle of the fight. Yeah. I didn't really like that. (laughs) (laughs) You know we got a banger on our hands when our super dumps suck. Oh man, when we're all, 
when we're all fighting for our ding-dang lives to come up with a negative word about this movie, you know we are in for a treat. I don't know. So I don't you know. I don't feel the need to apologize for this. It's a it, it's it's Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. What do you want me to say? Like, I actually didn't like the blah, blah. It's so good. What are you talking about? It's unbelievable, yeah. man. I'm trying not to get too hyped about it, but it's. Yeah. I'd love to talk about. Yes, please. The, uh, the acting. Yeah. Can we start just, with Ophelia? Ophelia? Yeah. Are you kidding me? She was yeah, so dude. good. What's going on? She was great. Unbelievable. She reminded me of y'all still haven't seen Leon the Professional. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, I've never seen uh, it. she reminded me of, you know, kind of the first glimpse we had. Like a young Natalie. Natalie. Yeah. <clears throat> of just being like, How old are you? Right. Because she it's was like, eleven in this. Yeah, how, yeah, was. right. So it's like, how does how does our actress and, and let's make sure and respectfully like say her name. Oh yeah. Her name is Ivana Baquero. Ivana Baquero. I always call people by their character names. I shouldn't do that. I know. I forget. It's like, hey, you did good work. Yeah. Here's the credit. That'd be like, that'd be like someone being like the the one of the podcast hosts. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. That wouldn't bother me. The um, hunk. Yeah. It's like for an eleven year old. It's like how did how did I find myself really empathetic for her because I'm like you've you're either a great actor or you've actually felt these things at eleven before yeah. and you could tap into a little history there because like when she is, I mean, her nonverbals the entire time are are great. Mm -hmm. She's so attentive. Yep. She's so reactive. She's scared. And yet she's also like experiencing wonder. It needed this, this story needed to be told like from a kid, like to have her be the main role there. And, and just in this big menacing kind of looking world, but she's just like, you know what? This is better than that officer that I'm supposed to call my dad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like measuring that against the other horrors. And she's amazing. She's, she's absolutely amazing. Incredible. But so is everyone. So is everyone. Right. right. The, I would say the special the shout out weeks. to, I want to say a special shout out to Doug Jones. Oh. Who was in the Dude. creature suits. The only American on set. The only person on set who didn't speak Spanish. Del Toro's the only bilingual person on set. So uh, when he's playing, when Doug Jones is playing Pan, he has to memorize the, he doesn't know what he's saying. Yeah. He memorizes the sound of his lines as Del Toro feeds them to him. And he memorizes uh, Ivana Ophelia's lines so that he so knows he when she's respond. done and yeah. he could say his next set of sounds that he doesn't know what they are. Do you know what's funny though is that this is probably largely responsible for Doug Jones and Guillermo del Toro being so close now because I bet they yeah, spent in everything so much does. time together on this set because well, Doug Jones had no one else to talk to. Right, but I'm saying yeah. specifically here, I bet they were glued at the hip. Yeah. Because yeah. Doug Jones yeah. is trying to do right by this film and Guillermo is his only point of connection and correction. You yeah. Know? Also, Doug Jones clearly takes his job seriously. I mean, he does immerse himself in, in a uh, Doug Jones kind of in a more prosthetic way as what Andy Serkis does a lot of the time with motion capture. Exactly. But it's like he had to absolutely trust Del Toro early mm -hmm. in his career. Yeah. Because who knows what this guy could be feeding you, right? When but he was coming out of the, the moment, the tale of Hocus Pocus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you've just got to believe that. And, and I'm sure, I have no doubt that you could feel his energy before you saw his face. It, like oh, Del Toro yeah. does feel like the kind of person that you just know. And he always just seems so excited. Him carrying the little Pinocchio stop motion figurine to the like premiere is like the cutest thing. Also, yeah. We're we're thinking of you. Condolences. He lost his his mom recently, oh, and no. so it's like, oh no, it does feel like he he also kind of carries this a bit of this childish, like whimsy. But yeah, Doug Jones, Maribel Verdú, who played Mercedes, yeah, uh, Sergei Lopez, who was Vidal, the commander Vidal was. We'll talk about him after the break. That's a guarantee. Wonderful, yuck. And then Ariadne Gill was Carmen. Those were our big, our big four, and they were all. Very cool. Well, clearly there's more to talk about, but before we get to any of that, we do need to go to shouting out. See you there. Here we are, Chunkies. We're jumping back into it like we did last week. Except this time I'm here. Except this time it's thrice as good. I'm going to say that you hold... You hold the hopes of two people. It goes exponential. I it guess. goes exponential to this extent. We're going to take this time for shout announcements. While Jordan goes, I think there was some kind of like a cat in a tree. I can't remember exactly. Uh, yeah, another, it's like uh, an old lady needed to cross the street. Yeah. I kept talking about Henry would never do this, so I've got to step up. It was weird. Yeah. I don't know. Can't trust Henry in these situations. What you can trust is our Patreon. We have a $3 tier that's going to have a fresh for you for the uh, the tail end Ooh. of our spooky season here, on the other end of our spooky season. If you ever have that like, man, I wish I could be terrified somewhere between uh, Halloween and Thanksgiving, we've got a Patreon episode of got Barbarian you. for you that you should give a watch with the lights on, maybe. Yeah. So $3 gets you that and lots of other content. It's not like you just get the access of what comes out post your $3 tier. You inherit the entire library. So there'll be a lot of episodes there. And then even more importantly, which actually you should go out and actually vote, because I do believe that tomorrow is when the polls end. Is that is November? No, today. today it's November 8th. Yeah. It's November 8th. Go today. vote. Yeah. You get an extra vote with Patreon on the $3 tier. On the $5 tier, you get into that Discord that we've talked about. Talked a little bit about it yesterday with our Bob Ballers. Um, <laughs> it's a wonderful community um, that I am loving looking at the updates every day. That's that $5 tier. So give us a little bit of that extra boost and come hang out come hang out with us next week on the main feed of the pod when we will be talking about a little independent feature it's a super (laughs) it's a low budget thriller uh and it's called black panther wakanda forever i don't know if you guys have even heard about this coming out it's something it's pretty insider a lot of movie biz people are real stoked about it so i really think it's going to be a breakthrough hit for general audiences but i'm just trusting y'all's opinion you know i haven't heard of it but i'm just trusting what y'all have to say well you hate panthers i know like how much you hate cats you're a dog guy but just trust me on this one i think it's going to be cool so we're going to be watching uh wakanda forever and we're going to be talking about it right here on two chunks and a hunk next tuesday Right here on this here pod. And there's there's a lot of stuff to be excited about to to wrap up our year. We are going to go back in a creative way to the Christmas season, which we is are. always a fun and tends to be pretty pivotal on the timeline of Two Chunks uh, events, uh, just some time to share together. And so be on the lookout for that. And so in the excitement of all of this, uh, if you want somebody to jump on board, maybe you feel like you've got some recency bias and you're like, man, I love Chunktober. I feel like uh, Henry would enjoy it as well. 
Yeah. Like let the people know. Let them know about our podcast. Go rate and review. Um, we're doing well, but we could always do better. I mean, we, we want to have more people a part of this community. Mm. Ain't that it? Ain't that um, life in 2022? That's just life in 2022. Doing well, could do better. Could do better. <laughs> um, but I was going to say something about the second half of our podcast being better, but I can't guarantee that. The no. first half was great. We'll see. We'll try to do a good job. I think we can guarantee yeah. that. Let's just give that a shot. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Okay, time to finally start being positive about this movie. Uh, I'm going to super pump. I'm doing it. Oh. I'm doing it. You liked something here? I did, finally. Weird. It feels like a cop-out, but it's real. The creatures. Yeah, unbelievably good. Are you kidding me? Iconic. Unbelievably good. In a movie that honestly is barely about the creatures at all. Yeah. They're the thing that sticks out. They're the thing that sticks with you. I think it's because it's the best like physical special effects work that I think I've ever seen. It's unbelievable. Like I think the Fawn is the best animatronic latex suit man that I've ever seen in anything. This movie holds up some 15, 16 years later, because by and large, they chose to go practical. Exactly. There's a better de- better term than holds up for this. It's like- Excels? Because it's not like it's barely, yeah. This movie is gorgeous I, 15, 16 years later. So this yeah. was 2006. Yeah. It was a junior in high school. And this was the first movie I saw by myself. Oh, wow. I was just mm. interested. I thought Hellboy was fun. And it just looked like my vibe. Sure. I've always loved was that, it? that darker. 16-year-old Carter, was it his vibe? 17-year-old Carter. It was. It was. Yeah. And I remember, and this is leading up to my super pump. Beautiful. She draws that door with the chalk mm-hmm. and opens it up. And I think the way that they had advertised for Pan's Labyrinth, which by the way, it didn't have a ton of... Uh, Hype. Yeah. Yeah. As it was coming out. And so I think if the pale man was ever shown, it wasn't in full form. Mm -hmm. Right. But I remember him grabbing those eyeballs 
and putting them in his hands and then seeing that those are actually nostrils on his head. Mm-hmm. And now we have the full mm-hmm. terror yeah. of the pale man, which was slow. It was a slow burn, slowly teased. Because yes. you know he's going to wake up. Oh, you know. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you're looking at, you know, our ceiling that's kind of painting the history here of this, at one time larger because he was eating kids on the daily. Mm-hmm. But now that skin has stretched out because it's been a while and we hanji. But I remember... I almost stood up. I, I couldn't believe, <laughs> and I'm seeing this on the big screen, and I'm just like, yeah. "What? What is this?" I was in awe and disturbed. So when you see the thing, the head drip off, and it right. becomes a bug, it's kind of like your friend sneezing, and it's a booger you've never seen, and you're like, "Oh my god, <laughs> gross! Bro, it's so freaking yeah. big!" Yeah, yeah, and it's bright green. What is happening? Everybody's running yeah. around like. Oh, but this is like I lifted up a rock and there is an insect I've never seen in my life that I am certain will kill me and I'm not going to forget about it for the rest of my yeah, life. Right. I've seen it once yeah. and I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this. But it was perfect. I'm in awe, right? It's like, what is this thing that you've created? I could not believe it. The hanging skin, yeah. the, the tiny, tiny legs, yeah. You're barely going to get you coming out of the hole. Like that was my, that whole scene and the pale man in that creature bucket, like was my super. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Un- yeah. Unbelievable. Shout out again, Doug Jones. Yeah. Like the yep. way that he's Twice. choosing to place those hands and then like move them. Oh my goodness gracious. Guillermo yeah. del Toro Guillermo. has to walk around with this in his brain all the time. His brain, he has to walk <laughs> around with these things. I was going to say something so similar. Rattling in his brain. <laughs> He's just got monsters, man. He's <laughs> like, yeah, but what if? Because it becomes even more intimidating because he's literally, in such an easy, practical way, making the creature so much bigger and menacing because you just put hands up. Yeah. And it, and it almost feels like also an homage to like playing with a child. Mm, yeah. Interesting. It's like peekaboo. Of just yeah. being like, yeah. Interesting. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I I read, or I think Callie read to me. Maybe it's somewhere on IMDb or something. Cal, we finished this movie. It was Callie's first watch. And she immediately was like, that is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Cool. Um, and so she she got really into like, she devoured every bit of IMDb trivia, all this stuff. And something she read to me that I loved so much. And it's so Guillermo del Toro to have this mindset and this like, passion for just a character in a movie, but he was saying that, or, or what she was reading to me was saying that many people view um, Ophelia's decision to eat the grapes as just the stupidity of a child, just the, you know, too, too dumb to live that trope. Um, but that Ophelia's defining characteristic is uh, brave disobedience. Yeah. And that, that's also the defining characteristic of these guerrilla freedom fighters who are fighting against a fascist regime. Mm, like the mm. theme of the movie is courageous disobedience. And yeah. when it's all tied together like that, that's such a pretty bow for me. Like yeah, yeah. it fits straight in the box. I feel like it might resonate even extra because I think Ophelia might be an Enneagram 8. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. But yeah, it is. That. That's I love that. I love that nugget. There's something to that. Yeah, it's almost like with Ophelia, you're like, let's just even. I want to see. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, fairies. Red and yeah. blue fairies. Rip. I'm sorry about that. The worst part Literal about the movie, rip. the scariest part about the movie, is that in her vivid imagination, she's just hanging out with these nasty bugs. These disgusting yeah. bugs. These grasshopper stick bug demons that she hangs out with. Ugh. No, yeah, I'm mentioning the big old roly polies. But the thing, the 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 man, the mondo she, roly poly. Oh yeah, my goodness, yuck. it's like the size of a cell. Can phone. you call it a roly poly anymore? <laughs> At that point, it feels disrespectful to call something that large roly poly. Yeah, I'm not totally. It's sure a roll. It's a roller boulder. A roller boulder, certainly. That's it. Lock it up. Send it home. The th- cool. The, the, you ready to rate it? The power. <laughs> the power that Ophelia is rebelling against most frequently is that of I'm gonna say top three movie villain wow ooh he's awful ooh most certainly one of one of the most hateable individuals in any film he stands with the likes of Hannibal Lecter, he stands with the likes of Commodus. Commodus, he stands with the likes of uh, Rachel McAdams from Mean Girl. Help me out, uh, <laughs> Regina George. Yes, Regina George. Regina like George. he is an all-time great, iconic movie villain who I do not Umbridge. think about enough. I don't give him yeah. the credit he deserves, but this man is immediately, immediately from the second he's on screen, the first thing we see him do is like squeeze Ophelia's hand really hard yes. because she tried to shake him, his hand with her left hand. It's like, or okay. isn't his first comment that they're late? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And his expecting wife had to puke because of pregnancy. Yeah. And he's like, I can't believe they're not here on time. Ugh. But yeah, very first glimpse that we get. And this, man, what a, oh. and then we kind of start to transform him into a monster. Yep. When Mercedes. With the half of a Glasgow smile. Oh, by the way, yeah. by the way, yep. worst thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Drinking that, drinking that whiskey. The cut immediately. The cheek. cut yep. in his cheek Ugh. and the the hand cut on the the revolutionary that Ooh. has the stutter. Um that Ugh. hand that was so that hard. hand cut and that mouth cut are some of the worst wounds I've ever seen in a movie. Ugh. That is so much worse to me than like a ripped off arm or something. Just seeing that made me cringe. Yeah. Yeah. Ulcers make me want to not go to work. Mouth ulcers. Right. Yeah. I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. Like I bit my cheek last week oh. and it's the thing where like it, it swelled up a little bit. So then I just kept biting it. I would like be chewing gum or like talking and then just bite the crap oh. out of my cheek. Stop it. Every time, every time the weather changes. And so like I've, I've suffered in the same way that Vidal has suffered, so like I get it. Every you know? time the you weather changes, it. my cuticles get dry and I end up with a hangnail. I have to moisturize mm. very intentionally. And sometimes mm. those hangnails, you pull them and they do that thing where they go back and pull the oh, skin. Want to go, no. want to go on. Yeah, and it oh, feels no. like it feels like you could just unravel like yarn if you keep well, pulling it. Well. Yep. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that you got one. That's the worst pain I've ever experienced. You guys know about the <laughs> cuticle repair cream? Comes in like the teal. It's like a brush. 
It's like legit. It's I'll send you the Amazon link. It's a over brand nudical. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> Did you make that up? Because that's yeah. incredibly powerful. Hey, bleep that, bleep that, and let's go to some. Yeah, I'm gonna bleep let's it. Let's go to some. I'm gonna bleep it because I'm, I'm gonna steal the secret formula. Yeah. I know the eleven herbs and spices that they use to make this cuticle cream, but I'm gonna send it to you guys because it's literally an overnight thing. Like it is. It's like a little brush you paint it on. Yep, overnight thing. Constant I rotation for me. I just watched the, the three basket. of us age 10 years in the mind of every listener. <laughs> I just watched it happen. <laughs> but also I like TikTok. Right up with- <laughs> well, pop a couple of originals. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Um hmm. <laughs> Don't ask if you're not ready. I think, I think for Were you me, talking out loud? I think for me, some of the outside shots looked a little underexposed. Mm. <clears throat> but that's just my that's just I don't think me. she's pretty. Her elbows are too pointy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do you say? Look, okay. I don't feel the need to justify our opinions very frequently, but I'm getting out ahead of this one. If you are a longtime listener and you've heard us poo-poo over recent Marvel outings, you've heard us poo-poo. Over the DCEU, you've heard us poo-poo over franchise fatigue, whatever. And you're sitting here going, why are they being so nice to this movie? It's because you haven't That's, watched it. It's because you haven't say, watched that is it. Such a, this imaginary person you've invented, that's such a bad faith argument. I would be so upset if somebody was like, oh, so you, did, oh, so you didn't like uh, <laughs> Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, but you like Pan's Labyrinth? Huh, idiot. Idiot. Are you kidding Interesting. me? Interesting. You know, what's fun too is we don't, if this is, I always, it's fun to think of if this is anyone has ever heard of like two chunks. It's just this episode. Yeah. It's like, hey, we didn't just get together because we all, we agree all the time. Right. There's definitely going to, you're going to have your good moments too to where we're on opposite ends. But I think we, you, you just got lucky because all three of your hosts have good taste. Bingo. <laughs> Stick with us, kid. Uh, I'm thinking uh, about like the the design and let's talk about so we won three Oscars here thank goodness uh, makeup mm-hmm. which yeah. includes <laughs> everything yeah, that's like it's not just like yeah wow excellent eyeliner on <laughs> Mercedes on had some great Vidal. some great blush that's gonna be an Oscar yeah. win How and then I'll mention lipstick and then that's all we know about that's all makeup, the makeup probably. I know yeah. yeah that's all we know I know that mascara smells <clears> terrible <throat> I, they used to make it from guano. I don't know if they do anymore. Ew. Best achievement in makeup. Best achievement in art direction. Good. I mean, I love the giant cogs of the wheel that looks like Vidal's office is inside a giant watch. Inside his dad's mm-hmm. clock. Even yeah. the vial of antibiotico is just yep. like so pretty and fun. Best achievement in cinematography. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Very nice. It was nominated for six. So it was nominated for best writing, original screenplay. So he makes Hellboy, and two years later, who, gets nominated for Best for Original Screenplay. Uh, I'll look at it. Yeah, in that's bit. interesting. Best Achievement in Music, written for motion pictures, which we haven't talked about that's much. Gorgeous. The music but it has such a haunting, beautiful theme that I, I love don't think it does stick as much if Mercedes doesn't sing it twice. Doesn't have that. Yeah. I'm going to do the research. Y'all yeah, keep talking. But the other Oscar nomination that it did not win was Best Foreign Language Film. What? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Lives of Others, which is a German film, won Best Foreign Language. I'm looking on it Guess right now. I have to watch that movie. Because if it beat this, 
Uh, Gustavo Santo Alaya won for Babel for best original score. Pants Labyrinth lost for that. I love Gustavo Santo Alaya. So I'll too. take that. What was the other one what that was didn't it? win? Screenplay. Screenplay. Oh, is it The Departed? The Departed, yeah. All yeah. right, fair enough. Because it's a uh, best adapted or best original? Original. Oh, best original was Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, yeah. Because Departed was best adapted. It oh, was yeah. People loved old little Abby, Abby Breslin. Abby yeah. Breslin and her, Abby her famous brother, the elf from Santa Claus 2, whose name I can't remember. Curtis. Curtis. Curtis, his name is Curtis in Santa Claus too, but his name is Spencer. Spencer Breslin in real life, but his name's Curtis in Santa yeah. Claus too. The most their brother st- and sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the talent the most- went to one. All the talent went to one. But I will say it is a true underrated talent to look that much like a Spencer. Spencer Breslin is the most Spencer-looking guy. Dang, that is true. Right? Yeah. Right. Like you it's, feel like you know what? Though, of, like, I disagree. Kind of a dull tea gift shop. Like, no, I feel like after Spencer Breslin, like it's like No, he looks like Spencer to me. It's like Spencer's retired. You can't no more like, Spencer. Nobody nobody can be 23 in basketball anymore. Let's hang the name Spencer from the Rafters cuz he did it. That's Spencer. See, I don't know. He looks more like a Curtis to me because I think I think there's something about his glasses, haircut and the way he dresses in Santa Claus 2 that makes me think he just looks like that all the time. Yeah, that's true. Maybe he wasn't in cop. Maybe his ears really are that pointy. Is he in Pan's Labyrinth? <laughs> <laughs> Look, there, there's no there is way. so much worth talking about with this movie. Um, it is, I don't know. It's something else. It, it really is like very sad. It is very sad. It is very sad. And and before we get to rating, I just can we have a lightning round of things we might have missed that are worth talking about so that we can knock them out. Sure. And one one for me sure. is. The the melancholy tone of this movie is like my my crack cocaine. Yeah, yeah. yeah frog inside, come outside. That was Yuck. Big yeah. Thing. Frog de- frog deflate. Yuck. Um, That's bad. Bottle bottle butt kill face. Yuck. Bottle butt bad. kill face That's is bad. tough. The world it's really tough. The like world of the fairy tale mm-hmm. is so big and dark and dangerous in a way that is not often depicted in the post-Disney fairy tale boom. Uh, but I think that's what makes it feel like old mm-hmm. and deep mm-hmm. and like you can smell the fairy tale, right? Here's what's, here's what's fun about this to me. Um, I mean, I, I don't, you, well, you tell me. I, I don't feel like it's really up for interpretation that what she was seeing was the imagination of a young girl. I think that's pretty clear that it's the imagination of a young girl, but it's it's presented in this way that is so fantastical that you, at least for me, I don't care that it's her imagination. It doesn't feel like you wasted my time with fakeness. This is her coping mechanism. This is this is her escape from the world that she lives in. And this this scary fairy tale world is less scary than the real world outside to her. But yeah, it's it's interesting to me, and I have to believe it's intentional. And it's probably the result of a young girl exposed to too much evil in the world at such a young age. The fawn is dripping with like malice to me. There's yeah. something so, even, even his assertion at the end that, oh, you passed the actual test, which was to be a good person, feels so deceptive and wrong, yeah. mm-hmm. which is characterized 
it's a characterization of fawns in mythology. For I mean, that's a fawn, right? Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. oh but I think God. that's a reflection of the fact that every adult in her life, yep. like besides yep. Mercedes, like Mercedes is the and only person mom. she and can actually trust. She feels like her mom has betrayed her though because she's married the captain. Yeah, but she's like, so I, in yeah. love I, with her mother. Like she's so in love there, with her mother. But what I'm saying is there is that distance. And so she doesn't have, besides Mercedes, uh, an adult figure that she can trust completely. So of course she's going to manufacture this fawn. Yeah, yeah. That she can't trust yeah. completely. Yeah, it's so, it's brilliant. It's like not all fairy tales are created equal. Sometimes it can be just as meaningful and as an escape if we're only using the tools that we have, the raw material that we mm. have. And what, and what Ophelia has at times is more terrifying than her imagination. I, I, I was more scared for her near Vidal than oh, I was the pale man. near the fawn. You know, and yeah. so it's, yeah, yeah. it's That's, that balance too is the thing that, the other impressive just blows me of away. the movie, right, is that Vidal, yeah. a, a person written to be human, is scarier than this mythological world full of evil and monsters. Yeah. Like that is, that is, I have to imagine, the entire purpose behind setting this real historical event on this fictional yeah. backdrop yeah. is to illustrate yeah. how much worse this was. And I think it goes back to like Del Toro, Del Gorbo's speech when he won his Oscar of like this this is for he views his purpose as a storyteller he held up his Oscar and he said this is for anyone who wishes to use fantasy as a lens to tell stories about the real world and I think we see Ophelia do that in this movie she's using her fantasy to cope with the horrors of the real world Del Toro himself is a layer above that saying this is a fantasy story that I'm telling you about the scariest person in this is Vidal mm-hmm. is this person who does not respect the autonomy of anyone except himself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Uh, and lastly, I think we'd be remiss not to just circle back to the coldest line in cinema history. Dude. Oh my gosh. I stood up off the couch. He deserved it. He had it coming. Oh Cut him my off. And gosh. She, she just says, Cut uh-uh. him off. Bro. Uh-uh. No. Not even going to know who you he are. He won't even know your name. Oh my God. Ooh. <laughs> that is the. She Dikimbe Matumboed him. She said, No, no. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Uh, 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 You're, uh, You're out of here. Ooh, yeah. Mercedes is cold. Ooh. That was brutal. Ooh. I love it. I loved it. She's a savage. It's, it's, it's brilliant. It's so good. Truly. It is time to rate this movie. Even though I feel like I could talk for another hour about it. It is time. I, and here's the deal. I don't even think you need to say the scale. Say the scale because you want to, yeah. not because... We need the refresher on our options because I think I know what we're all going to do. Do it because it feels right, not because it is right. That's you know, that's mm. the opposite of how you should probably mm. do most things. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Whatever. <laughs> we're going to rate this film using science, the scientific cinema scale, to be exact, and it is perfect. And as follows: the best thing we could ever say about a movie is own it, don't lend it, buy, buy that, that poster. poster. The next best thing is buy it. It's going to be followed by rent it, and then stream it. After that is forget it. And last but certainly least, the worst thing we could ever say about a movie. God hath forsaken us. I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, poster, obviously. Like there is, this belongs to me uh, in, in my personal collection right next to something like E.T. Where it's like, wow. when I watch this, I'm seven years old. Uh, I'm... I'm the same age as Elliot. I'm the same age as Ophelia. 
And this just works completely. And it's powerful and emotional and the most creative thing I've ever seen in my life. Easy poster. I'm so thrilled to be here for your first watch of this. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I am going to buy the poster. And not just because the poster is gorgeous. Yeah, the poster is amazing. And I would happily hang it in my home. No, I'm buying the poster because this movie is... I, I think I don't think it's crazy to say that this movie is like a benchmark in filmmaking. That this is iconic, borderline perfect, and I adore this movie. And and I I I crave movies that believe in themselves this much. Yeah. Para mí, compra ese cartel. Mm. Buy the yeah. poster. I mean, it's... Yeah. I didn't know what you said, but I knew what you said. Do you, you know what I mean? I found that. I know. Like, I'm a letter away from being... Poster? Yeah. Spanish for poster. So, that's crazy, man. Not a lot of people can not, say that. Not, almost nobody. Nobody else on this show. I'll say that. The Carters of the world, the Cartons of the world, the Cardips of the world, they can all say it. Yeah. Carter, did you think this would be the outcome before we before anybody watched this? Did you think this would be the outcome? Three posters? Yeah. I did too. I think so because I think it's it can be argued maybe easily. Shape of Water is wonderful. Yeah. And it and it and it but I think it uh, I'm not I'm not putting up a fight if you say this is the best thing that he has ever done. I wouldn't argue that at all. I would say that this is for sure his like opus. This is the thing yeah. he has done. And everything yeah. else, everything else is flowing from that same creativity, but this is inspired yeah. in a different way. Yeah. And there's a lot of Del Gorbo to come. I mean, he's got his Pinocchio that is out right Which now. Which looks incredible. He has seven. I don't think it's out yet. That he's, I don't think uh, his Pinocchio is out yet, is it? The it's Disney Pinocchio, no, which has gotten terrible reviews. Shocker. Sorry. Sorry. Out. Sorry. That's not, that's not out yet. But in terms of like, uh, if we just want to look ahead really quick, um, directing you, and writing. Have y'all watched any of Cabinet of Curiosities? I, that's that's coming up very soon for me. It's good. I've heard good things. It's good. I mean, it's not him. He's like EPing it, yeah. and then he intros every episode. Sure, uh, but the actual like stuff isn't him. But it's good. Yeah, he's got a documentary that's in production, Michael Mann documentary, but in development, movie called Saturn in the End of Days. We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. Drood, mm -hmm. Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde is very exciting. A movie simply called Monster. Movie called Zenbato. And then a movie called A Fantastic Voyage. Hey, sign me up for cool. all of the above. Adventure right. sci-fi. We're going to see Diego dip into the sci-fi side a little Thank bit. Some, sometime Good. soon. That's kind of Hellboy a little bit too, in a fun way. It's kind Monster, of Pacific Rim. Yeah, Monster is a TV series. I think the rest are movies. Fine by me. I'm down. Cool. Give me all the Diego you can give me. Um, cool. Wow. I imagine that you guys already filled them in during chat announcements on what's coming next. Yeah, gonna, you're watching Geely by yourself. By and myself. we're gonna you're gonna write a quiz for us. Okay, great. Sounds good. Do you wanna actually clue them into what's next since it's at the end of the episode? Why don't you clue them into what's next well, I, and we'll see if we're all on the same page? Because we already told them in shout announcements. It's good that you're doubling back on something that I was trying to get you to do because I am clearly not remembering what's next. So that's why I tried to throw it to you, Doge. Come on. Wakanda forever. Oh, well. Wakanda I mean, forever. We, kids. Wakanda forever. Oh, is that already next? Yeah. Yeah, bro. Raise your hand if you're nervous. <laughs> Jordan is. We'll see ya.
next week for Wakanda Forever. And don't forget to check out Patreon. We will have a uh, a special bonus app coming A Bob-Bob-Bob-Barbarian <laughs> episode for you. <laughs> We're recording that right after this. So expect this same energy. Uh, we'll see you next time. And for Two Junks and a Hunk, my name is Jordan Wonders. And here's what I'm going to need. Because I should have said this before I said that part. Uh huh. That's a weird order to go in. Really threw me off. Really threw me off at the end there. I'm going to need everybody's name. That's the first thing I'm going to need. And then I'm going to need. That's our first task. What what movie with some sort of creature in it would have been made better if Guillermo del Toro had been in charge of creature design? Okay. And don't say all of them. Okay. Can we take The Hobbit off the table? Yeah, let's too? take The Hobbit off the table. That feels like too yeah. easy. Shouldn't be Although too hard. The, really about 45 The pounds. concept art for his oh Hobbit gosh. was insanity. And I do feel that we were robbed of something brilliant. Completely robbed. Wow. I know my answer. Do you already? Okay. Um, yeah. You know what? I think I have mine too. Go. For Two Junks and a Hunk, I'm Jordan I, I think that he should have been consulted on Star Wars creature design for Ooh. the sequel trilogy. I think that we would have had some incredible and terrifying creatures to be afraid of, to fear lurking in water and around corners if he had been in charge of it. And I, I think that that is a missed opportunity to not have him involved in some way. My name is Doge and... I do love the monster design in this movie, but I wish that Cloverfield could have had Del Gorbo there to just sprinkle some extra sauce on it and really kick it up a notch so that it's Bam, something we have could not. <laughs> that's great. I've got two answers. One is silly. Mm. The one that's not is the Demigorgons were done pretty well, but I think seeing the rest of the Upside Down would have been fun to have some yes. El Corpo influence. Nice. Yes. Uh, number two, I'm Carter. And he has a pretty popular show on Netflix that he's produced called Troll Hunters. Mm-hmm. And so he's obviously with the, the childlike wonder. I'd love for him to have a dip in the 90s when I grew up and have a lot of more influence on the design of the Street Sharks. <laughs> if you would, sir. Street Sharks. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done Wow. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.